On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the clan! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. This podcast exists because we want you to win. And you're going to need leverage to win in today's music business. The days of the record labels signing you and the publishing company signing you without having some business behind you are over. You really need to have a reputation. You need to have some business going on. And that is what's going to get you into the inner circle. Um, What is leverage? It's a strategic advantage. It's the power to act effectively. That's why we called it the CLIMB, C-L-I-M-B. It's an acronym, Creating Leverage in the Music Business, which is brilliant. Uh, That was written by my good friend and lyricist, Mr. Brent Baxter. He's also my co-host. He's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And what I love about Brent is he helps you, artists and songwriters like you, turn pro by revealing how you write like a pro, how to do business like a pro. And not only that, just about every week, he's connecting you with the pros. You can find Brent super easy at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They help you find your sound and they help you grow your audience so you can become the artist that everybody loves so you can get paid in the process. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That's production, singular, no S, and there is no S because there is no other Johnny D. What's happening, brother? Man, I'm excited because I've been talking a lot, and now I don't have to. I need to listen to you. (laughs) Once again, we're in the same room together. I like this. (laughs) I don't ever want to stop. Don't ever leave me. (laughs) Um... Today, uh, just to drop a little bomb right here, and then we'll mm. take care of some business. We're going to talk about the power of social proof. We talk about that. Um, we've, we mentioned that a lot on previous podcasts. Yes. And I want to really dig into what social, social proof is, because this is one of the most powerful tools of influence that you're going to use to expand your audience and to mm. market your music as an artist and to market yourself as a songwriter. Oh, yeah. And we're going to talk about how that all that connects mm-hmm. and, and, and the things that change so that you're thinking about it the right way. But before we get into that, yes. we want to talk about... Uh, number one, if you haven't joined the Climb community, please do so. Go to Facebook, search the Climb community, ask to be let in. We will mm-hmm. let you in. We let everybody in. But if you're obnoxious, you'll be roadhoused. And yes. we have developed the rules for that, so be careful. Yes. Um, the second thing is you want to share this. If, if this podcast information is, is helpful to you, if you're binge listening to this, man, turn some other people on to it. A bunch of you are, and we want to, uh, we want to spread the love, help us spread the gospel. Uh, take 30 seconds, leave a rating or review on, on iTunes. It, it, makes, uh, it makes us look legit to the people who are thinking about diving listening in, and, yeah. and they want to know that it's legit. Social proof. Social proof. That's the social proof. Well, there you go. Is. All these people like it, then it must be I'm gonna good. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to check it out. That's right. And um, and finally, the the climb conference. Right? We're getting close here. To like the, very, like, scarily close. Very close. Like, it's next yes. week. It is, like, yeah, in a, it's this week. It's this week. It's this week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. We're about to hop on a plane in a day, too, and... 
Well, if, if you haven't got your ticket, there's still time as, as if it's not sold out. Um, right. I know we're about 75% of the way full, I think. I think we're getting there, yeah. Um, but this is uh, the climbconference.com is, is where you can get more information on this. But it's Brent, it's myself, it's Chris Oglesby, he's a hit publisher from uh, uh, BMG, BMG. Mm-hmm. and uh, Shelby Kennedy, who's the president of TuneCore. So if you got questions on what the new music business look like in the, looks like in the digital world, boy, Shelby's going to have all those answers. Yeah. If you got questions on how publishing works and different ways that you can get in and create relationships and have some time to spend with the man mm-hmm. and, and show him what you got going on and get some good feedback from a pro mm-hmm. on your, like the pro of pros, like Hall of Fame publisher guy. Yeah, he's really good. Like, goodness sakes, like, th- th- there's your chance to do that. Uh, Brent, hit songwriter's going to be there, and we're making miracles happen here with uh, with marketing and in, in, mm-hmm. in the digital world. So, I think all your answers can be handled right there, right? Yeah, that's right. So, you find out more and reserve your spot at theclimbconference.com. Theclimbconference.com. So check it out. That's right. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe to that's the right. podcast, to the right? Podcast. So, then it automatically just... Every, every Tuesday, the major episode goes into your phone, and every Friday, the little mini-sodes happen. We've got the, the um, Expand Your Brand for marketing, which is a little five, ten-minute blurb on with some, some value bombs. Just yep. And then the song title challenge every other week. Pound for pound, they are strong. That's right. Pound for pound. You're not uh-huh. going to find a better way to spend that ten minutes of your life. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So, so, what do you got today? Man, the power of social proof. This is something that you all are familiar with that you all do on a regular basis and that you've all been influenced by on a regular basis and uh, I want to dissect it a little bit today because this is how you sell records this is how you sell tickets this is how you sell merch this is how you expand your uh, audience this is how you get people to fall in love with you as an artist this is what turns a really great songwriter with 500 songs in a can into mm-hmm. a hit songwriter and right. all those songs become worth money yep. it's social proof mm-hmm. okay and um, and understanding this from a marketing perspective is is the difference between understanding the di- what just vomit content is mm-hmm. on your feeds and and what you should be doing to try to communicate to people like we talked a lot about how to put images in a song and how to tell that story to move somebody and do that. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to do that with your marketing too. Everybody's always unsure of what to put in there. This is going to give you a bunch of ideas. So, cool. um, man, I've been. Help us out, Johnny. I'm about Help halfway through this book that I'm going to recommend that everybody purchase. Uh, it's called Influence the Psychology of Persuasion by Robert Cialdini. Um, that's spelled C-I-A-L-D-I-N-I. Influence the Psychology of Persuasion. I think I picked up my book for like six bucks or something like that. I have it on my wish list on Amazon. I haven't gotten it yet, but it's on my, it's, yeah, it's it's on a, my list. I got a used copy, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was in good condition and I, I didn't buy a brand new, but wow. Who like, cares? The information is still brand new. It's blowing, <laughs> you, yeah. blowing my mind. So <clears throat> Social Proof states that, quote, one means we use as a, as a society, as, as, a, as a species, to determine what is correct is to find out what other people think is correct. Okay. Or cool. Or cool, yeah. Or and, popular. Or popular. That's right. right. So, um, now that's a really sort of hoity-toity way to spell that out. Right. Seth Godin took that and boiled it down to seven he, words. He's good at this. People like us buy products like that. Mm-hmm. Or how about people like us like artists like that? Mm-hmm. 
Um, People like us go to shows like that. Exactly. Exactly. And so we want to, we're going to take a lot of cues from, from the environment and from what's happening around us and the psychology that comes with that. When you learn about that and you understand about that can change your world. Okay, mm-hmm. and so we're going to dig into some of that today. Um, <clears throat> think about let's take Nirvana's record. Uh, never mind, big mm-hmm. record. I think it sold ten million copies. Let's just say it's very something. ironically named. Ten, yeah. we we all minded. Hey, that's right. We all paid attention. Okay, <laughs> that's mind. right. Right, genius. Nothing to see here like that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but let's say that record sold ten million copies, just to make the numbers good, so I don't have to be, do a lot of math in my head. Right. What? What social proof does, and what the phrase people like us, like bands like Nirvana, mm-hmm. means, is that the first 400,000 records <coughs> that was sold of Nirvana were by people that really genuinely love Nirvana. Mm-hmm. And the other 9.6 million were by people who just bought it because a friend had it. <laughs> and they associated with that group. Mm-hmm. That's social proof, right? Um there, um, if you think about, I tell this story a lot to my uh, to my artists when they come in when I'm trying to explain like some of the stuff that we do and I'm explaining different ways to sort of conceptualize social proof. <clears throat> How about the if you drive into Compton or any ghetto in any big city at midnight on any mm-hmm. given night, you'll inevitably find an eight year old kid in the corner selling crack, mm-hmm. who is uh, wearing three hundred dollar Michael Jordan shoes. Think about that for a second, kids. Now, he, first of all, he makes like God knows how much money every night selling crap mm-hmm. in a ghetto, okay? He can afford to buy whatever shoes he wants to buy. Why'd he spend $300 on those? The answer is not because he could. Why'd he choose Michael Jordan shoes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's eight. He was born in 2010, just, I think my math is right, 17 years after Michael Jordan retired. <laughs> he's never probably seen a video of Michael Jordan playing basketball. Michael Jordan doesn't mean any as much to him as it means to me. Like oh, I've yeah. seen Michael Jordan play live, you know, wow. like yeah. that that and it's you know, like watching freaking flying circus, you know. Yeah. Um <clears throat> why? It's because everybody else mm-hmm. is wearing them. Mm-hmm. So it's relevant to him, right? Um you know, this 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 principle applies to the way that we decide what constitute correct behavior or popular behavior when we want to belong or cool behavior when we want to perceive ourselves as cool or um, pretty when we want to perceive, our, perceive ourselves as pretty. What dress to wear, what makeup do we use, what, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what nail polish, right? Um, we view a behavior as in the behavior of purchasing a ticket to see your band, as in the behavior of purchasing your, purchasing your CD, as, uh, or as a behavior of going to Spotify to stream you. Mm-hmm. Um, we view a behavior as more correct in a given situation to the degree that we see others performing it. So real applications for indie artists and how this uh, kind of shakes out. Uh, um, take Bailey James, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. Um She's up to 65,000 on her Instagram, followers on her Instagram now. But there was a moment in October, uh, she was at like 50,000. Mm-hmm. And she was engaged. Like, they were really engaged on the on the post. Mm-hmm. I think average post, she would, every post she put up got an average of 1,200 to 1,500 likes. Whew. And maybe like 50 to 75 comments. Nice. And then seemingly overnight... 
we we gained like another couple thousand followers because uh-huh. it starts to snowball a little bit the yeah. bigger you get. But seemingly overnight, everything doubled. It just it just went to three thousand likes or four thousand likes per post, mm. four to five thousand views if it was a video, and like hundred and fifty likes per comment. So you had, comments per post, excuse me. So you had like a five percent say growth in the followers, but you had not even that, like like fifty percent growth in or hundred percent. Yeah, like we went from fifty thousand followers to maybe fifty two or fifty three thousand. So small small little growth but doubled that so hundred percent growth though in engagement. Exactly. And why? Because it's all of a sudden became cool mm-hmm. to interact with her. It, it was it was there was enough people doing it. There was a big enough number that it it now that's a that's a that's a ship you can get behind. That's a mm-hmm. that's an artist that you can get behind and, and be cool, right? Um, <clears throat> think about this in terms of like a live show, okay? Because mm-hmm. this is really this is really like you talk about like a mob mentality. Let's talk about a mob mentality in a Positive. Positive way. <laughs> right. And we can actually talk about both ways with the example I'm about to give, which is Guns N' Roses is an actual <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So um, there was a big, big issue back before Guns N' Roses broke up, uh, initially back in the early 90s, because Axel was so out of his freaking mind mm-hmm. that he would just literally keep the crowd waiting for hours, and, and they would start to tear apart the stadium. Yeah. And as soon as you see one person start to rip something up, it's everybody on. starts to do it. Why? Because we see that other behavior, uh-huh. we're all feeling the same way, and we start to tear yeah. stuff up, and nothing's ins- happened to him yet. Yeah, go. <laughs> the yeah. insurance was crazy, and it just the money that they spent mm-hmm. on that was insane. Yeah, because they had to pay for that. Uh, but let's do it on a positive way. And this is, you know, insert your favorite front person or your favorite artist here. Mm-hmm. But you go to see a, you pay good money, you go see an artist, and they they want you to sing along, and you sing along. Mm-hmm. They want you to clap, and you clap. They tell you to get your cell phone up in the air, you get your cell phone up in the air. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is social proof, because we see everybody else doing it. And whether we like it or not, we're very much influenced to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe you're the outlier. Maybe you're somebody that's it's like always on the fringe, and you never do what the crowd does. Right. But you need to be aware that you're like in the 2% of... Right. <laughs> of humanity. <laughs> right, yeah. So don't leave money on the table because you wouldn't do that. Right. right? Yeah. And, you know, if you, if you want to make a living at this, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a small percentage of people that, that will, you know, clap when the, the artists is clap because the artist told them to. Yeah. And they want to do it and they're there. And But there's a huge percentage of people that are doing it because everybody else is doing it. This isn't quite the Guns N' Roses example. Mm-hmm. But sometimes in church... <laughs> you know, you're going to be singing a song and they don't have you standing up, but then somebody stands up and then somebody else stands up singing. Yep. And then pretty soon you're like, oh, here it comes. Like, oh, I don't really want to stand up. I'm not really feeling it. But now do I look bad if I'm not standing up? Yeah. Which is exactly the conversation. I'm not supposed to be having in church in my head, which I got to talk to Jesus about that. But then, like, then, you're, then you're going, don't stand up. Oh, people in front of me stood, people behind me. Now I'm sitting here. Now I'm looking like I don't love Jesus. Jesus is going to hate me. Yeah. <laughs> I got to... Oh, here we go. I'm standing up. <laughs> now All you're right. standing up. That's All it. Right. Yeah, that's right? total. That's, that's totally it, man. And it can go both ways. I mean, uh, you know, looting behavior you see on TV with political rallies or whatever, mm-hmm. or when there's a some kind of you know, huge hurricane or something like that. Um, there... Uh, 
you know, how about something more subtle? How about if you've ever been in a foreign situation where you weren't <laughs> sure what to do, right? <laughs> yeah, um, been one of those. Sometimes you're not sure where the garbage can is, and, and you're, like, trying to find out, uh, you know, what do you do with your your empty popcorn box at a movie theater? And you just mm. follow, follow a crowd, and then, oh, there it is. There it is, yeah. Right? Or... Um, if you've been in like a fancy dinner, it's a little bit above your pay grade, maybe, and you're like, which fork do I use? How do I? And yeah. you get a little, you get a little wound up, yeah. and then you just sort of watch what everybody else does. I think of the scene. Yeah, from, you just watch them going, which fork are they going for, which fork are they going for. Yeah, exactly. I think of the scene from uh, the the dinner scene in Pretty Woman, which is mm-hmm. like one of my favorite movies. Um, and uh, I'm not afraid to admit that I'm strong enough in my masculinity. I love that movie. And uh, but <laughs> there's a scene where she's at the dinner and. Uh, and there's a certain appetizer mm-hmm. that they've that they've served, and she's not sure how to eat it. Like yeah. and she's trying as hard as she can. So here she's a hooker in yeah. the movie, and she's like in this really high end dinner, and she's not sure what to do. And the guy across the table just sort of winks at her and, and grabs it with his fingers and eats it. And she's like, "Oh, okay, cool. So I can do yeah. that." But there, there it is, right? This, this is this is social proof, you know. As a rule, in, 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 in as as a human rule here. We'll make fewer mistakes by acting in accord with social evidence than acting contrary to it. Yeah, most of the time the popcorn's going to end up in the correct trash can. If you follow the people out of the theater, trash right. can, oh, okay. Then if you go, no, I'm going to do something different. It's going in the high chair. Right, right. So <laughs> right. when a lot of people are doing something, it's usually the right thing to do. Usually. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, so put this in terms of how can you use this for your marketing how can you show a lot of people on board on the train of whatever your artist name is or whatever your mm-hmm. band name is right um how, how can you make that happen what if you're a songwriter and you're having a pitch meeting with the publisher and you know that you've got holds maybe that that publisher isn't aware of mm-hmm. should make them aware of it yes right? like by the way these three other publishing companies got holds on it or these three artists got holds on yeah. it or I've gotten cut. Maybe maybe you don't have any holds like inside the industry, but you're an outside artist that, or an outside songwriter that has cuts with with a couple different um, artists that are local to you. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's something, right? A couple yeah. different artists that are just nondescript to this guy. But hey, they cut my song, mm-hmm. you know. And so yeah. wow, okay, all right. Now that's different. Now all of a sudden you go into a different pile. You did, and, yeah. and it becomes a, a, a more of a more of a club like that. Um, man, th- there's things that you can do. I'll give you an example of this. Um, uh, hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new Factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. 
It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Exit polls political exit polls uh-huh. on national TV, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, and this isn't a political statement. It's just, this happens. It doesn't matter. It just put, put your network on there. Yeah, this isn't yeah. a political. But, you know, you come out, you, the person, the unknowing person walks out of the poll booth and there's the Live at Five reporter, you know, oh, hi, sir, or, do you hate black people or did you vote for Obama? And the person yeah, immediately says, I don't hate black people. No. It's like another vote for Obama. And, right. and you know what I mean? And so they're, they're trying to sway the political opinion with that, right? Yeah. And it happens just the same on the other side. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it happens on both sides of the aisle. Because, yeah, I mean, I remember on election nights, so you're like, don't listen to the ex- Exit polls. These are very early because you know they'll start doing exit polling before the clo- polls close. Especially, especially on West Coast, East yeah. Coast, West Coast. Yeah, and they're like, and so people are, you know, if they're on the losing end of the early exit polls, trying to rally their people in California, going, "Don't worry about the exit polls. Get out to vote." Because yeah. a lot of people go, "Oh, we've already lost." Yeah. Or some people may go, "Oh, well, good, we're winning. I don't need to go." Which is whatever. the design in it? Which is the design of that whole right. thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's which because it's not design. that it's news yet. If they really didn't want to affect it. They wouldn't. They wouldn't be going out talking to people. I mean, they. It so, effect. so one way that we applied this to uh, a real world marketing situation, we did it with Bailey James. First of all, she's got a web store, and um, we did this like two years ago. Um, we, uh, I made the argument to to the team, and I've, I've made it several times that the only reason we went from records to CDs and from CDs to MP3s, which is like a steady decline in the quality. sonic quality. Yeah was because we were told to, mm-hmm. right? And in the industry, everybody laments like, oh, it's just so sad, nobody knows the difference, and uh, so why do we even bother recording in HD? Because they don't know the difference. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're only gonna listen to it on MP3, blah, blah, blah. And my, my argument is, yeah, they don't know the difference. So yeah. we just have to add the value into the difference, and then we can change the price of music if we want to, right? Yeah. So I put my money where my mouth was. Mm-hmm. And uh, on Bailey's website, uh, which is baileyjamescountry.com, you can check it out, uh, you can see she has the normal 99-cent MP3 downloads, mm-hmm. as you would expect, right? But if I, when I say these two letters to you, Brent, tell me exactly what it means to you, HD. High def. Right, what does it mean to you? High definition. What do you know about high, HD? It's supposed to be higher quality. Right. So whatever, you know, I think of movies. HD movies or right. TV shows. So it's a lot more... So it's better. Be, yeah, a lot more crisp, clear picture, a lot more distinct. And if you, if you and what else do you know about HD in terms of price? Oh, it's usually more expensive. Costs more, yeah. right? Knowing that, that, that as a community, there's already a visual and an expectation of HD for price and an expectation, mm-hmm. internal expectation for HD on quality. Right. And that most people can't get a hold of WAV files. Like, we're not buying a whole lot of CDs anymore. Most right. people are going to stream. Uh, we we put up HD downloads on mm-hmm. our website. And they were more expensive. They were, instead of 99 cents, they were $1.49. And they mm-hmm. were WAV files. So they're better than MP3 files. So we this wasn't like a, any kind of tomfoolery or smoke and mirrors. It was a better file. And we're going to charge more money for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then how do you get them to care about it? 
right? Because I'm like, I'm used to that for movies, so I don't even know what that means for sonically. Because I'm thinking I'm already hearing the whole song. Yeah, and and what by I the way, add, if I can get the same song for 99 cents rather than dollar 49, why wouldn't I take the cheaper version, right? right? So this is where we incorporated a social proof thing. We made a video, and we had the mm-hmm. artist, you know, send out a video like, "Hey y'all, it's Bailey." Like, um, listen, there's a lot of talk about high quality streaming and she mentions Jay-Z uh, you know has title and he it's all super high quality streaming and mm. Spotify says you get a better quality stream if you pay for it than the free version and HD radio says they're better than uh, XM series satellite radio because they stream higher quality uh, audio mm. and then she puts her stamp of approval on it and she says now I gotta tell you I've been in the studio enough to hear the difference mm. and she tells them what to hear now right. if you crank it up really loud you can hear the, the smoother highs and the bigger lows on an HD track versus an MP3 track. And then she puts it on them, and which is the, you know, this is all scripted, right? It's all yeah. intentional. And she says, look, but it doesn't matter what Jay-Z thinks or what Spotify thinks or even what I think. Mm-hmm. It just matters what you think. Now, pause right there for a second. This video went out to her email list. Mm-hmm. Everybody that was on her email list got on it because they received an MP3 download of her single. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the title on this email was, I have another gift for you. Mm-hmm. And it uh, got an 80% open rate, by the way. Okay. Nice. And so she says, so I've attached to this email an HD version of the same song that you already have. This is before we released the EP, by the way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the single's out. We're trying to warm it up. So um, I've attached an HD version of the same song that you already have. The only thing I'm asking you to do it's just whenever you get a minute, like wherever you listen to your music, listen to the two tracks back to back and crank mm-hmm. it up and tell me which one you think is better. Yeah. And then hit me up on social media and let me know. This is tons of kids. Like, HD's way better. HD's way better. HD's yeah. way better. More of the story is when we got, when, when we released that EP, 80% of the sales of music that was on her website was HD. Wow. We could manipulate the buying decision based mm-hmm. on social proof because everybody else was doing it. Yeah. Right? So this is the kind of stuff that you need to be thinking about. And of course the benefit for y'all was sales at a higher price. You already have the weight files. You just made them available. That's so right. That, that was the benefit. We're going, we just made a lot more bank off this than we would if we just sold the MP3 at a lower price. Here's how powerful this is. Um, it's probably not one person listening to this podcast hasn't uh, at one point or another listened to watch a sitcom mm-hmm. and the laugh track on a <laughs> yes. sitcom. So we all know it's fake. Mm-hmm. And we all know, and the artists know, whoever the actors are and the writers yeah. know that it's fake. And trust me, they hate it. There's been many contract dispute mm-hmm. over when the sitcom airs, is there going to be laugh tracks or is there not going to be laugh tracks? Mm-hmm. There's nobody that creates the show that wants the laugh track, I can promise you. But the network demands that you put it in for one reason and one reason only. It works. When they start, when they start surveying people who watch the show, they're like 40% more likely to say that it's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even, by the way... Even if it's poor quality. It's not really funny. Even if it's not really funny, they feel like it's funnier because of the laugh track. And so, um, you know, Cialdini says, our folly is not that, and this is specifically to laugh tracks, our folly is not that uh, we use others' laughter 
to decide what is humorous and when mirth is appropriate. That's in keeping with the well-founded principle of social proof. Like, of course we're going to think it's funny because everybody else thinks it's funny. The folly is that we do it in response to something that's patently fraudulent. And notice, it's obviously not real laughter. Right. But we fall for it anyway. We fall for it anyway. Okay. Right? So that's that we use laughter. It's that we that use is. fake, canned laughter that we know is not true. Yes. So, the think about bartenders. If mm. you're a smart bartender, what's the first thing you can do before you start your shift with the tip jar? Put some money in it. Put some money in it. Somebody yeah. already put some money in it. Like, you, you're not the first. Go ahead. Right. This is where the money goes. I'm showing you where the money goes. You're going to get a higher, more people and are going to tip you. put a 10 in there. Because of that. Right. Yeah. How about you mentioned church before? How about church? Ushers, like, before they pass around the collection plate, they're going to put some money in there. I wouldn't know because I'm not on the front row. People <laughs> <laughs> in the front row are the only people who know that. I'm a back row Baptist. <laughs> You're a back row Baptist. Yeah. Um, so, when, when, when audience, when uh, advertisers use terms like the fastest growing and the largest selling, and when if you've ever seen like a, a detergent brand where they have like ordinary people mm-hmm. that are uh, telling you how well that product worked for them, yeah. two things happen. Number one, it's social proof, and you start to see oh, and that, and you relate to that person because they're just like me, mm-hmm. right? Um, there was a, we were talking about this before the. Um, before the show, but um, in this book, uh, he talks about a, a um, test uh, 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 experiment that was done by Robert O'Connor with preschool children, specifically preschool children who were very shut down emotionally and who mm-hmm. would not engage emotionally and interact with the other kids in the class. Mm-hmm. And uh, they tried all different kinds of ways to get these kids out of their shell and get them out of the corner where they're just inside their own head and they're not playing with the other kids and there's they're that that could become a seriously bad habit mm-hmm. and and really hurt their lives at that stage of the game, right? This is a mission-critical moment. Yeah. Okay? So um, what they found that was astoundingly beneficial was a 23-minute film showing um, these isolated children, other isolated children, like playing with their classmates, mm-hmm. where they had the, all the class over here, and this isolated kid over here, and then the kid walks over and starts to play with the classmates. And the kid's accepted, and they play, and, and everything's happy okay, and, and this is fun. Mm-hmm. And that one 23-minute video would break all these kids out of their shell, and they would go and play in class. And then, Even though the teacher would be like, Jimmy, go play with Robert and Susie. Don't and- you want to go play? Don't, because right. there's the peer-to-peer thing. Right. Right. So why are we talking about here? Content, right? Like, mm-hmm. you want to show somebody that's, that's in your audience... That, that, that could be in your audience, mm-hmm. like purchasing your product, right? Yeah. Or, or enjoying you live. Right. Or the power of that image is more powerful than you saying, oh, on sale now at iTunes. Like, right. it's awesome. Check it out. Exactly. And right. um, it's more powerful to show other people checking it out at this grocery, at the line, like, at the checkout uh, line. Yeah. Like fear, like, like um, what do you call it? Um, like irrational fears and let's not what's well, maybe it's not irrational but there's a lot of little kids that have a fear of dogs mm. and not from a trauma now some kids got a fear of dogs because they got bit or attacked by a right. dog this is not this is not trauma oriented they just have a, a fear of dogs and their parents want to you know get them to to like dogs mm. same thing you show them videos of kids playing with dogs mm. and then all of a sudden the kids start to realize oh this is fun this is cool and then they'll go on the play with the dog mm. right when they're little 
So, and, and it's a peer-to-peer thing. It's not a, an adult telling them to do this. Or an adult playing with a dog. Or an adult playing with a dog. That's it's right. It's like kids like us play with dogs like these. See? Got See you. how that works, man? So, <clears throat> we did a, um, uh, a Jacob Cade, uh, one of my artists, rock artists. He's in the top 40 now on Billboard's indicator chart for awesome. rock. Uh, that means he's getting spun, y'all, and, and it's real. Um, and he's, he's out there. We're trying to get as many tour dates as we can. Well, he got the opportunity to do a one-off in Scottsdale, Arizona, opening up for Dokken, which is a big 80s band. Um, and he was not direct support. There's three bands on the bill. He was the first band. Mm-hmm. So he was going on at 8 p.m. He's opening for the opener. Hardly, Yeah, hardly anybody's going to be there, right, at, at that thing. So the other thing is we're not getting spun in Scottsdale. It's not a market. It's not his hometown. That we're in. Not, he's from Colorado. That's right. He's from Denver, Colorado. It's not his hometown. So nobody knows who Jacob Cade is in Scottsdale, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And I went back to the uh, to the investors and I said, "Hey, I want to try something here. Can we, you know, we, we give me a budget on Facebook of like mm-hmm. two hundred bucks?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, do it." Mm-hmm. So I put together a video. Now we had some compelling images. First of all, this kid on stage on a scale of one to ten, kid's guitar playing is at like a fifteen. On a scale yeah. of one to ten, the kid's performance, like live performance skills, are at a fifteen. Mm-hmm. Like he's off the charts. So much energy, like it's insane mm-hmm. how amazing. Like he just will blow your mind. Like yeah. okay, and so and so the formula again: get the art and the artist in front of new eyeballs mm-hmm. and let him do his thing. Right. Well, we just wanted to get as many eyeballs out there as we could. Right. So we put together a video, a one minute video of him playing live, like all these different clips of him playing live. And we had a couple shows where we got clips from and the video clips were his mom from the side of the stage shooting video of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the shows I flew up to, to Denver and was just there uh, watching the show and up from mm-hmm. the audience. And I was taking it from the front looking yeah. looking in. And it was a big opener for Steel Panther. So there's like 3,600 people there, but these people were freaking out on him. Another yeah. show, we were getting a lot of spins in Spokane, Washington, and he went there and did another opening show, but everybody, we, they packed the house because they knew who he was, too. Mm. And they're all, like, clapping. and So the, the video opens up, and he's, like, clapping along to a packed house full of people clapping along with him, mm-hmm. and his track's playing underneath of it. And, and the whole messaging was, hey, Scottsdale, you know, get there early. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't miss this kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I'll put the video up. I haven't done it yet, but I'll put it up in the climb community. But long story short, I get a text. Uh, this just was last Saturday from the moment from today when we're recording this podcast. It was April 14th was the date. <clears throat> and uh, like 400 people showed up wow. to see him. Nobody knew him. Nobody knew him. But, they, but you know what? We, we super targeted the uh, within a 50-mile radius of the club mm-hmm. and, the, and the audiences that would be going to see Dawkin. Right. And we put that video out there and spent money getting it out there. I mean, the numbers were astounding. It totally worked. The bar owner flipped out because he was like, mm-hmm. I can't believe you had that many people show up for you right, in yeah. the beginning. You, You're from your out of town. Again? Yeah, what's your name? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's your name? Like, oh my God. Like, And we got another, we got a repeat gig mm-hmm. for him coming back in August. So um, this... And now he has 400 people know who's, knows who he is. That we can hit again. We can build on that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so this is where you know this is where we're implementing this this kind of social proof. This this is so powerful um, that we're implementing the social proof in, in getting people to um, to uh, change their mind to mm-hmm. like something, right? And online, we know it's not about the music first, but the artist first. So, right. It's in, it's congruent with everything that we're doing. That's the way you want to get it done. So, anyway. Um, before before we wrap it up here, if if 
if this kind of marketing could help you grow your audience, as it's both, helping many other artists, <laughs> yeah, as it's helping already. every other freaking artist that we work with, right. and you'd like it to help you, um, reach out to us at info at daredevilproduction.com. We're available for consultation if uh, you know maybe you can't afford the service of the company, like on our retainer kind of a thing. Um, that might be a little bit out of your budget, but there's no reason why you can't get some good direction that's one on one, that's specific and customized to your brand mm-hmm. on how you can how you can get out there and and make this kind of stuff happen. And we do make little deals on the side with artists that aren't necessarily daredevil artists where where we can help you do a specific maybe a, a single release uh mm-hmm. an ep release where we can help you sort of market that and and cook up some different ideas on on how to provide um and bring like one of these big influencers of social behavior into your messaging mm-hmm. and then knowing where to spend the money and how to get it in front of the right people. So, again, it's info at daredevilproduction.com. Production is single. There is no S. Put consultation in the subject line, and we'll make that happen. But that brings us to the end of another killer episode of The Climb. This podcast exists because we want you to win, guys. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. achieve the American dream. The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship the studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who kill their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.